0: Welcome to the Relationships Matter podcast. I'm your host, Dan Doster. Are you considering a career change? Don't go it alone. Come. Join the discussion. And listen as my mid-career guests discover and reveal their decision-making process to move from successful business jobs to consulting, entrepreneuring, or taking early retirement. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to introduce you to my friend and guest, Dan Rooker. Armed with an engineering degree from Northwestern and an MBA from Duke, Dan spent over 30 years with IBM, rising to the executive level in procurement. Dual cancer diagnoses made him slow down to consider ways to achieve better balance in life. Through the miracles of a bone marrow transplant, Dan made his way back to his career path only to discover it had been changed. I know you will enjoy hearing about his journey as he describes the importance of a strong business network. Dan, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, good. So tell me about your background. Uh, What are some of the highlights in your career thus far? Well,
1: I was a career IBMer. Um, I spent almost 35 years with IBM starting in 1984. Um, I also co-opt with IBM during the 82 and 83 school years so um, I entered IBM in North Carolina Raleigh North Carolina I always say I was in pursuit of a. I came to North Carolina in pursuit of a job and a girl um, and I got them both um, and I still have the girl. <laughs> Good.
0: <laughs> I know uh, she'll be glad to hear that.
1: Yeah. I used to, when I was with IBM and I'd speak to audiences. I'd say and I and I still have the job, and then <laughs> I'd wait till they kind of snickered and I'd say and I still have the girl.
0: There you go. Um,
1: but anyway, I I grew up in Illinois and I went to Northwestern and I um, got into the co-op program in at IBM in North Carolina. So that was my link to North Carolina, um, and I really spent my whole career um, with Raleigh, North Carolina as my, as my hub, my home, um, other than two years in Singapore in, in 2001 through 2003. So I was an industrial engineer by, by training. IBM put me through, uh, Duke's, uh, MBA program, Knight MBA program in, uh, 87, 88, 89 timeframe. Um, so that's my educational background. Um, I started in, in manufacturing, uh, I don't know if you remember manufacturing. I think you do. You were, you were involved in <laughs> manufacturing. Somewhere. The United States used to do that. Um, we manufactured all kinds of things in Raleigh. I was an industrial engineer, so I worked in quality engineering and cost engineering, um, went up into quality uh, assurance management and industrial engineering management. I was in the same industrial engineering um, department as Tim Cook. Uh, Tim joined IBM in 82 and I joined uh, as a co-op in the same time frame. So I'm familiar with a lot of with Tim and a lot of the people that went over to Apple um, over the past many years. But uh, I, I found my home, my professional home in procurement. Um, and uh, uh, it was kind of where the, you know, the, my, my life of faith intersected with my professional life. Um, where I was, I was not doing a very good job of managing the balance between my professional life and my, and my family life. And an opportunity arose that no one would have ever taken that, you know, that, uh, was on my track and it was general procurement, which is the people who buy back in the day, we'd say they're the people who buy the the paper and pencils and desks and carpet. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, it used to be a penalty box. Um, and so, um, I thought I, that's something I would never, ever do, except from a faith perspective. I would say you need to get your life in balance. And I, and I, I came to believe that it was a, a gift from God that that opportunity came along. Um, and despite the fact that it was not a good opportunity from a professional point of view, I, I, I took it as an act of obedience and recognition that my family was more important than my job, uh, career, and the status and, you know, so forth that went with the, those jobs. And that was my first step into procurement. And I spent the rest of my career in procurement in a whole variety of roles. Um, you know, I used to say that I've, I've I've bought everything there is to buy, uh, (laughs) at a company like IBM. Um, so I went up through the levels of procurement leadership and, uh, I think around 2007, I was promoted to a vice president of procurement and I I was responsible for about half of what IBM um, purchased in the marketplace, which was about 22 or 23 billion dollars worth of goods and services um, reported to the chief procurement officer. So that was kind of the story up through 2010. And then, uh, you know, life, uh, intervened again and I was diagnosed with leukemia in 2010. And uh, um, stayed in the VP role uh, throughout the most of the duration of my illness until it got compounded and complicated by a an addition of a lymphoma diagnosis. And I clearly had this feeling that I, you know, I was holding tightly to my my title, my status, my my money, my power you know that I wanted that back I wanted to keep that and I and I felt like you know God was saying you need to let that go you know you need to let that go and you a know, very very strong memory of just feeling like I just let my hands open and say okay that you know I trust you and I just told my management team at IBM I wanted to get back into executive management and to make a long story short they said well eh we don't think you're still or as competitive as you were and uh it took took a long time for them to say i don't think this is just going to work out and it you know finally in 2017 um when i was 56
0: it's it's not uncommon in large corporate entities uh people in their 50s uh you kind of it that becomes the mid career pivot if you will the right. decision making point where uh, maybe a person feels like they still want to take the hill, but the entity, uh, not just IBM, but many different corporate entities say, Hmm, maybe, maybe there's, maybe it's time for something else. So, so what you experienced is perhaps not all that uncommon.
1: Right. Um, and it's, it was, it was new to me, you know, and as, as we talked about earlier, the, the, the cancer experience changed my career from being kind of a steady rise through the the organization and being a let's say being a candidate for the top procurement role at IBM or other companies to you know being a senior manager at age 55 trying to get back into that game or into that
0: league and yeah the company just said eh you know we don't we're not sure about that let's talk a little bit about Uh, The point of deciding. So, in some ways, uh, your employer was deciding. It was it was dawning on you. You were reaching out to see alternatives as you started to think about and consider the future direction. So, before you stepped out, uh, uh, tell me about that the the process of sifting through the what next? Did you consider consulting? Did you consider doing a startup? Did you consider early retirement or was it always obvious to you, uh, I've worked in a big entity, obviously a multi-billion dollar company. I'm going to go to another corporate thing. Tell me about that, that, that point of, of, uh, uh thinking through alternatives or did you think through alternatives?
1: Well, I did. And, um, y- You know, I I know some people with uh, with capital. So I did think about um, starting a company. Um, uh, I've always I've always uh, had a I don't know if it's a healthy fear or just an appreciation for how a company owning a company can consume you. And I did not want to end up in in a place where I was 24 seven, you know, worrying about my company. So that's not the, the direction I went. I certainly met with financial advisors to evaluate my, you know, my position relative to retirement, whether I could fund a um a retirement that didn't require a job of, you know, uh, that would pay money, pay a significant amount of money. So yeah, I did consider all those things and I got to say that um I just didn't feel like I was financially ready to retire or emotionally ready to retire and um I think it became sort of important to me to um, regain the the uh, ability and the the position to perform at a high level. You know, you and I see people on, on TV every day that are 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, that are still going, you know, great guns and to kind of hang up the spikes at age 55 just didn't seem you know right to me so the met life opportunity and the, these things I wasn't I wasn't being recruited by headhunters or I just responded to a, a uh, an opportunity I think I saw on LinkedIn or something mm. um, and one thing one, one job that I responded to led to a higher level job. And that led to a, an executive role at MetLife in vendor management. Um,
0: so would you, would you say if you had to boil it down to a, a single uh, driver that was uh, uh, guiding you in terms of that what next step out of a career at I, IBM, w- what word would you put on it? How would you characterize what uh, was the guiding force to the next step? What was the criteria that was really?
1: Well, the, the, the motivation came from the fact that for the first time in my career, th- yeah, I know it's audio, right? But let's say I, I believed I was capable of performing at a level of 10. And for the first time in my career, IBM thought that I wasn't, that I was only capable of performing at a level of seven. And I'm just making the numbers up uh, just to just to indicate that when when a company decides that uh, you're not as good as you think you are, um, that's very motivating. You know, And in fact, as a leader in IBM, I had to tell many, many people over the years that despite their very high opinion of themselves, we didn't quite share it. And and that maybe maybe because of that, that would cause them to seek employment elsewhere because. Hey, maybe another company would think you're you're uh, you know, um, you know a superstar. So, I was I was motivated to look around because of that discomfort in in you know feeling like IBM felt that I had passed my prime.
0: Um, yeah, you know, more so more so for example than uh, security. Security in the role, security in uh, the ego, security in so, the money.
1: The, in my situ- well, in my situation at IBM, I never felt insecure. Um, in the sense that the people that I worked for, I'd worked with for many, many years, and I did not think that they were going to turn me out. See what I mean? So, so it wasn't that I felt that I was going to lose my job. I had okay. a, I had a decent job. Anybody would. You know most people would think it was a it was a great job um paid well no no variable comp no bonus no stock you know nothing like that just a good salary um so I was never motivated by a lack of security um, um it was more i just didn't i just felt like I had a lot more to give than what i was being able or i was being asked to give at IBM
0: okay Good. Thank you. So, so MetLife, uh, you spent how long with them? Uh, 51 weeks. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And, and then what? You, um, and and then
1: what? Okay. I left, um, MetLife, MetLife was just, uh, a, a complete mess. Um, that happened about five or six months in, mm-hmm. and uh, I immediately, right, you know, right then I began to look for other opportunities. It was a, um, a very uncomfortable environment. Um, yeah, I, I've never, I've never, or rarely had such a difficult relationship
0: with leadership. So, um, so for for factors, it sounds like unrelated. Uh, to to the journey you were on, it was time to move on. So you again found a point of pivot where you said, all right, I've got to find next. Yeah. So I'm guessing you still had gas in the tank. You still felt good. You still felt secure. And so that, that next decision point uh, w- where did you go to next? Um, well, this is, this is the, the magic.
1: Uh, this is where the magic happened. Um, in my time at IBM, Um, I created a lot of relationships in a variety of uh, sectors, Um, and I decided to seek opportunity um, with one of those companies that I had worked with over time. So as a procurement leader, um, you learn – you, you establish relationships with companies. Let's say they, be, they are one of your best vendors. You know, you've got this great relationship with them where every dollar that you spend with them, you're thrilled with and you grow the relationship over time and they deliver and deliver. And you, you know, you just have this long standing professional mutual respect. Well, that's, there's several companies that are like that in my past. And I, and I actually called two of them. Um, and, and, uh, inquired whether they thought that I would be able to help them. Uh, In in this case, the the one you can see the sign in the background, the company that I signed up with is called Artec. And the owner of that company is named AJ Padar. uh, And he runs the company together with his wife, who's a CEO, Ranjini Padar. And I met them in 2005 when I was responsible for procurement of technical services. And I... I've known AJ and Rangini since then. Um, they were my vendor through 2010, and then we stayed in touch occasionally, just uh, on a personal level. So that's who I reached out to to say, "Does my skill set and my relationship set um, offer an, a, an opportunity for for you to use
0: me to help grow the company?" And we just uh, we decided it did. So you shifted from uh, supply side or sourcing. Uh, over to uh, procurement, over to sales.
1: Yes. Okay. And and as I went through my procurement career, I saw this happen, you know, many times where a procurement leader would, would open a new chapter in their career by uh, going to a vendor, a supplier that they knew. And IBM had rules about that you can't you can't call an IBM for a year after you do something like that. But I was I was already gone from IBM for a year, and AJ was less he was he was interested in me for my relationship with IBM, but more interested in me for my relationships with other companies uh, that I had dealt with as a procurement leader or whose procurement leaders I know because they left IBM and went to those, those other companies. So in other words, my network, my professional network. So I could open doors at companies, um, at levels for, for AJ and Rangini that they were, were not able to. So for two years now, I've been with Artec and I've been, um, uh, doing exactly that. Um, as a person who is about to turn 59, um, this job, um, is is a beautiful job from the point of view of balancing my my home life, my recreational life, and my professional life, um, and and still having a lot of influence and satisfaction um, in the company um, and, and in my professional life. So that's great. Um, it's that's a, great. It's to me, it's kind of a really um, perfect transitional. Uh, when I say transitional, I mean transitioning from the the drumbeat of corporate life, which is very, very demanding, kind of twenty four seven, to kind of the the uh, t- the this quiet snare drum of of a of a more balanced um, uh, work life that is more based on uh, high level a few high leverage situations um, where you're opening doors and having key meetings and and building business um, than a, you know, a a torrential uh, drive of 12 meetings a day and working at Mm -hmm. night and being on the phone with Asia at night and all that stuff that we used to, we used to do. So,
0: well, so as we wrap up here, um, any advice for others that are considering Mid-career changes, whether brought on by themselves or brought on by others, is there any advice you would give?
1: Well, um, one of the things that people would say to me when I when I left IBM is that you know they'd say I can't believe I can't believe you did that. It, it's when you're in a company like IBM, it's um, sometimes people have a hard time imagining themselves doing something else. Um, and so uh, whether it's IBM or any other company, it could be a bank or an insurance company, um, you know, there is there is life afterwards. And um, what I tell people, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's procurement or or other you know, functions. Use your network. Um, talk to people that you know and that you've met throughout your career Um, find out where they are today if you don't know, and ask them about what's going on in that particular um, industry or company. Um, I I know in Research Triangle Park, there are companies booming here that were just not here 10 years ago. Um, And, uh, you know, linking arms with, with folks that are in different companies have, I've seen it happen many times where a career change happens because somebody has lunch with somebody that's working for a different company, um, and one person talks to another, and it doesn't always happen immediately. Sometimes the phone call comes four months later. But keeping that um, external network, uh, tending it like a garden, and reaching out to people on a regular basis, and um, keeping those uh, relationships current, uh, is a really good basis um, for something to, you know, something new to come along. Um,
0: great advice that's great advice thanks for joining us today appreciate it it's my pleasure dan (laughs) my thanks to dan for joining us today dan reminded us of the importance of not only having a strong business network but knowing when and how to draw on it as he entered his next career phase that network provided a path forward for continued success This brings us to the end of the Relationships Matter podcast. I'm your host, Dan Doster. Thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out via email, dan.relationshipsmatter at gmail.com. And remember, as my dad always said, the fun is in the run.